can record. Okay, cool. Everyone recording? Good to go. Can we have another? Should we check again? Should we just make sure we're good? Okay, cool. Hello, Rip City. To all of you in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Podland Trailcasters. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and I am mixing up the order of the intro here because we have a whole crew assembled tonight. As always, Ty and Chad are here. What's up, guys? How you doing? Woo! But beyond them, we have not just a starting five. We planned for a starting five tonight, but you know how good the TC crew is? We were we had one person that had to change their plans last minute before the show. I reached out to a couple friends, and both of them, the, the two first people that I reached out to, were both ready to go. So uh, instead of just having a starting five, we have five and a six man even on the list tonight. Let's go around the horn all the way. Oh, is that probably not the right way to say it? Let's go around the, 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 the Skype screen, because around the horn would be taking some copyright thing here. Uh, from... Uh, what we have a take and the Step Back Sisters pod. Is that right? Did I get that name right? The Step Back Sisterhood. Step Back Sisterhood. Yep. Excuse me, man. Got to check that one out. Please, if you haven't heard it yet, like myself, go and check it out. Tara, team mom, Tara Bowen Biggs is here. How are you doing, Tara? It's so good to see all you guys. It's so good I'm to so see you. I'm so excited to be talking about the Blazers. I could cry. It's been Who too long. Be anywhere else than right here. Yes, exactly. Trailcasters Party is the place to be. Thank you. That is the way to put it from over in the Peeps and Plaid podcast as well. You guys were nice enough to have me on your show earlier this week. We talked Western Eastern Conference standing. I ragged on uh, James Harden for a while. It was a lot of fun. Christian Gamelin, how are you, buddy? I'm doing wonderful. It is so good to see oh, some familiar faces. Think you might be oh, muted am there? I muted? <laughs> Hello, can you hear me there? Still might be muted. Let's let's. What? It's okay. It's okay. We're, just keep everything rolling. We'll figure this out. You want me to? Add, you want me to ad lib? I'll fill in what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, just take a guess. Can you hear me now? Uh, still no audio for Christian. Let's wow. see here. We've lost. Can you hear me now? Yep, there we go. There we go, yeah. Wow, I just had to unplug and replug, you know? That's life. So, <laughs> great to see you all. Good to see familiar faces. Get to watch some Blazer basketball and meet some new friends. So, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us, dude. Really do appreciate it, especially on short notice. And last but not least... uh. I, I, oh, so first off, a Trailcasters listener, thank you so much. That's how we first originally met. But beyond that, my man Ike, he is a, a amazing artist, made a beautiful Blazers pin that if you didn't pick it up earlier uh, this summer, you missed out. I hope he's going to make some more stuff for us. But beyond his own personal art, he's got his whole T-shirt shop going behind him, all the Blazers uh, uh, generational uh, art graphics, and I love it. Uh, Ike Lineweber, how you doing, man? Thank you for joining us. Big fan. Um, thanks for having me. Um, definitely excited to be able to get to talk Blazers with some other, uh, you know, excited Portland locals and be able to kind of get back into the season after this short, this, such a short turnaround. It's like it's all it's here all of a sudden. So um, really cool that you guys uh, loop me in and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you, man. And, and that's the idea. Let's just get straight into it. Let's talk about what's been going on. First off, it has been a very short turnaround. We kind of touched on this a little bit last week. Uh, the season it did just it it did just end for especially more for some teams than others. But I'm not here to to give any sympathy for the Lakers. Uh, Chad, we will get to that more later. Uh, <laughs> but with the season coming up here, I think the the biggest thing as far as the, the short turnaround, in my opinion, is the chemistry for the team. We saw in the bubble. The Blazers really did show out. I, I, obviously, there were a lot of highlights in the bubble, but I feel like the Blazers grabbed a lot of eyes nationally. They got a lot of attention for how they were looking, the chemistry they had. And now, over this short offseason, we've added a whole bunch of depth. We kind of broke this down last time as well, talking about Rocco, Derek Jones Jr. coming in, Cantor coming back, as well as the re-signing of Hood and Mello. Uh, and to be honest, the person that we kind of almost skirted over was Harry Giles. We, we talked about him as like, yeah, this guy, I think I was the one that even uh, that said last time between me and Chad and AQ. Shout out to uh, Abdicalos who was hey! here with us this week. Um, but I, I think I was the one that kind of said, yeah, Harry Giles would be a backup. Not really sure where he's going to fit in the rotation. He'll be there in case there's an injury, but hey, that's why you have depth. And after these first two preseason games, I'm not sure if we can really relegate him to depth on the roster. I feel like he's going to be pushing Cantor for minutes at the backup center, possibly even being more of a stretch four because we saw him hitting some mid-range, man. He's got some range on it, his passing ability, his athletic dunks. I am high on Harry freaking Giles. 
Uh, oh, yeah. So uh, what, what do you guys think? Did, what did you see as far as, is there anyone who's going to push back? Anyone want to say no, he is definitely only going to be like a four or five minutes guy? Or are we all pretty sold that he's getting a bigger role than we expected? Okay, I don't want to be the like the well actually person <laughs> Do it. the downer because I want to make it absolutely 100% clear that I am all on board. Harry Giles could not be more excited about him. Um, I have several friends in the Sacramento fan base who were just thrilled for him because they thought that Portland was going to be a really great place and he was going to get a chance to shine. Oh, yeah. um, but I just don't want to forget last year's preseason and how excited we all were about Mario Hazonia, who, God bless him, you know, he's got lots of things to recommend him as a person, didn't really work out in Portland. So <laughs> this year, what I'm trying to do is just, like, keep perspective and, like, it's really hard for me to keep my perspective on Harry Giles because he really has been so impressive. But I do want to just, you know, caveat this whole thing with preseason expectations. I can't believe I was the one who like came in with the preseason expectations. And, fa and fast, <laughs> man. And very fast. Well, I just wanted to like, you know, be like right off you're taking kind of moment there. <laughs> yeah. She she can't believe she was the one yet she wanted to make sure she was the first one there. <laughs> I appreciate that. I will say I saw a stat that Zach Collins preseason regular season or playoffs has never scored 18 points or more. And Harry Giles just did Ooh, it in his boy. first two games with the Blazers. Yet again, preseason, but crazy. It's preseason, and he's facing his old team, so he kind of knows yeah. maybe what to go Semester there. But I'm really high on Harry Giles as well, and I think the last time I was on here, I said, so would it shock anybody in, like, in two years that if Harry Giles was better than Zach Collins? That's and right. That's at first, right. I kind of got some, like, uh, but now, I don't know. <laughs> You're starting to see that that guy with the number one recruit and he was a much better prep player than Zach Collins. Like, I was looking at the ratings, and, like, I think Harry Giles was one or two, and then Zach's, like, 25th or 26th. So there's a difference there, but I think we're starting to see the flashes of that of that guy who was ranked number one as a high school recruit. Like, he was, like, Team USA's baby. Like, they loved him. He just had a couple, of like, bad knee injuries, but now I, I think he's starting to figure out, and now he's motivated. I think we could possibly see a breakout player here, and then – they're going to have a tough decision what to do with him, Collins, Nurkic, and Canner eventually, but I like it. I'm pumped for him. Totally. Well, it's, it's a great problem to have, really, the idea of how, uh, too many bigs, uh, especially considering the, the history Portland has had, let alone even just recently the, the number of times we've had, uh, let's say, a season cut short because we didn't have the front court depth that we would have needed. Um, and I don't even, this is yeah, a great year to have guys like that because, like, who knows what's going to happen with COVID and whatnot. So now they have guys that are maybe, maybe not, he's not maybe like starter caliber, but guys that we know can maybe step in and play and kind of like, well, like, or like who should be starting, blah, blah, blah. This is a great year now to have debt because who knows what happens. So all of a sudden, let's say like Canner gets COVID for two weeks or whatever. Now we have a guy on Giles who can step up and fill minutes and not be like, all right, let's give it to Anthony Tolliver and freaking cross our fingers. <laughs> Look, it might not even be COVID. Uh, it, like, fortunately, with the the weird season schedule we have going right now, we're not going to deal with uh, uh, Ramadan in the same way. So we're not going to have uh, Canner having to fast. Okay, I kind of made jokes about this last time too, but I feel like I had to get in there. You mentioned the timing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do have the depth for it. We have more guys in there. It just in case anything comes up, whether it's injury, whether it's COVID, whether it's religious fasting or whatever or whatever else does this change your thoughts on giles as far as okay we're, we're all agreeing that he is you know he's not just gonna be some extra dude he's uh we, we've got this extra depth but where does he fit in are, are you gonna give him even minutes with Cantor? do you feel like he's still behind him in the ventral is it maybe more of uh i guess situational when you have and, and if it's situational what is his situation are we talking is he like more of a small ball center we saw him in the preseason these first two games take some uh shots that i kind of thought would resemble a stretch four as well so they, it could be something where is he encroaching more on zach's minutes or on Cantor's minutes where do you see him fitting in chad uh let's let's get you in here what do you think I mean, I think the biggest thing I would agree with everybody uh, as far as Giles goes, I think everybody's like kind of spot on with that. I think it's preseason. Um, I don't think that he'll find a lot of time uh, right away because I think it's not, it's not how Terry works. First off, I, I think he'll fit some of those other roles. I would love for, and, I, and maybe he does it this year because he feels like he can um, with the depth, but I think I would love to, he has way more combination possibilities that he can play with. And it's a shortened season, so maybe he doesn't get to do it as long as he wants. But he's, you know, 
he's really big on get, making sure that what, whatever guy he's giving the extra minutes to this week gets it for a couple weeks and then he rotates it. So I would like to see the combination differences, and I think that's where it's situational. I think if we play certain teams, that's where you see maybe Giles playing a five or a four with Collins even in there. I think that would be not a horrible combination. Yeah, you can see the two of them. Um, that together. would be very fast, yeah. very quick. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is the best skill that he brings? We've heard a lot about Giles's passing ability, and you know, Ty, I think you were the one that mentioned him being that number one recruit back in high school. I'm pretty sure I, when I was kind of doing some digging, there were comparisons to him being the next LeBron type player. When like we're talking LeBron high school days, like I think I've heard like someone like K- you know, like KD, uh, yeah, yes, like KD yeah, and like Garnett, but just the idea that he's Weber. The idea that he's so big, he's so tall and so athletic and has the skill set that isn't just a big man skill set. He can pass the ball. I mean, again, as far as other comparisons, people have said maybe not Jokic, but more of an Arvidas Sabonis type ability to just kind of see the court. Mm. And again, any Blazer fan out there is going to tell you that is some high praise. So, (laughs) uh, I mean, the major difference between that and anyone else is that he is size is not the same. He might be height wise the same. He's not, yeah, he's just not as thick as all those guys. So it's not as big of a game changer i think as far as all those comparisons well, you know go. again he doesn't have to be the biggest i mean even team. lebron even lebron size he would have i mean the kd like is maybe the best comparison size wise but he kd couldn't play down low like giles yeah but giles got more muscle on him than KD does too so maybe that i mean i i'm not saying it's a spot on comparison but i could see maybe if you start saying right, right, kd right. plus some center type size and there we go I think one of the biggest parts is the athleticism because, I mean, we see him getting these dunks, um, getting fast break points, and I think that's going to be key with Covington and Derrick Jones where they're going to hopefully get more turnovers and hopefully that's going to turn to some fast break points and Nurk's not going to automatically be at the other end of the floor, but maybe Giles will. So um, he's not necessarily going to get consistent minutes like you were saying, but if he does, like that's that's probably where he's best. I think he's a little more all around where Cantor is more offense and offense and rebounding and Collins is a little more defense. I think Giles is a little more all around, but um, maybe has a, a lower floor, but maybe a higher, higher ceiling where he could really show up with the right minutes and the right situation. Ike, what do you think as far as uh, the, the, the passing versus the size versus his outside shooting, kind of that, that stretch ability if we're seeing that as a stretch four or even a stretch five, really? What, what do you see as the uh, – where does uh, Giles fit in here most of the season, do you think? It's going to be interesting. I think um, kind of the, the recent comments out of the Blazers with Terry said that he impressed some people, so I don't know if that's real or if that's just hyping up the guy that we got into town that we drafted. Um, to make, you know, to get the hype on. But um, if he is impressing people, good for him. And that'll that'll be a real conversation about minutes internally for the Blazers. Um, personally, I think Cantor's minutes are the ones that are most up for grabs. Cantor's minutes, okay. Um, but if he shows out, I think there's potential for him to start to take some of uh, the minutes for uh, Zach Collins there. Um, because we, we've seen Zach Collins have flashes, and he is really good. He has a high ceiling, but he's he's injury prone, which is you know where we see why people not Giles right now. So um, and foul I think, foul prone. Yeah, that, that's that's what I wanted to add in there as well. It's not just injury prone, but it's foul prone. And I think what we're seeing this year with the roster is that. On last year's roster, Zach was the top of the list at power forward. So the idea that Giles would sneak in on some of his, his minutes. Uh, would have been a little hard to imagine because there wasn't other people involved at this point with having Rocco at the power forward as well. Uh, and, and, and just the, the fact that Giles can kind of slide back and forth. I wouldn't is, be is Mello playing a three or the four coming off the bench. Also, yeah. Also a good point. Mello, I think is more of a four at this point, as far as yeah. you don't want him trying to keep up with a three, uh, as much as I think yeah. you want him able to able to stretch a four out there. So yeah, Zach Collins, uh, minutes are already kind of endangered in that way. And now you bring this guy in who's a young athletic big in the same sense and yeah i i honestly as much as i'm excited about giles i'm almost as worried about zach uh and obviously i'm not trying to down him we have to see how he comes back when he when he does come back i think in late january is what they're saying now uh yep. so it, you gotta hope for the best for him but i'm i'm curious what's gonna happen man it's it's nice to have this problem where you have too many people that could fill that role but you also gotta feel for the guy where he's putting his time here and injuries have just not gone his way 
One of the things that I really appreciate about Harry Giles every time he steps on the court is he is his attitude and his energy Absolutely. Um, and, you know, his enthusiasm. One of the things that the folks in Sacramento were saying is that he also he does tend to be foul prone as well, yep. because for so long he played like he was never sure that he was coming back. You know, because he was just so uh, grateful to get the moments, those minutes. But I love his attitude and his energy. We have some really pretty serious guys on the team, which is great. Like, you want to have people who take things very seriously. Um, but sometimes you just need that that guy who's just out there to have a wonderful time and to appreciate every moment he's out there playing. Plus, uh, his creativity, I think, is going to be... I think the second unit is going to be so much fun oh to watch. And those guys better be ready with their hands up, no matter what, you know? One more note on Collins and Giles. Yeah. I think that Giles showing out like this, and it's a small sample size for sure, but it brings me confidence in the beginning of the season that we know we're not going to have Zach and that we do have to give those minutes to somebody. Yeah. Um, it's super awesome to have Giles in those minutes yeah. if we're not going to have Zach for any of them. Um, so it, it definitely helps shore up the, in, a, in a short season. Um, it helps shore up that first month for sure, I think, as far as having reliable guys at every position. If he shows, out, if he shows out, does he make Zach tradable? And that's, is, is, that's Zach worth any, is Zach worth anything? Is I not think, if he's continuing yes. to get injured. Right, but I'm saying if he comes <laughs> yeah, back and depends, has a career, yeah, if, he, if Giles continues to do well, and then uh, Zach, Zach comes back healthy and he looks good. I don't think O'Shea will trade him because I just don't think he's the. I don't think he's the type of guy to. I mean, to I don't want it. A draft I'm a. Call, no, I, yeah, love, I, just I love. I think the that same call. thing. O'Shea, same thing. Reason he never traded CJ is he drafted CJ, found him, developed him. It's his guy. I don't think he's gonna do it. Same thing with Zach. All of a sudden, like if Zach's playing healthy, then he's not. I, I imagine he tried to move Giles first and Collins, but that's that's why I was curious how much you guys liked Harry versus you know the reality of of a, a Zach coming back. Like, yeah. hey, Neil drafted the uh, Giles too, though. He didn't did. He? Yeah, yeah, he, he did. Well, he drafted him probably with knowing he was going to be. I was going to say, didn't he? Did he draft guy. for the other team? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, yeah. yeah because he, that he literally yeah, like traded Giles for Collins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, I mean. I believe that every time Neil drafts for somebody else, he does draft somebody that he would want as well. So, I mean, I think that he probably had Harry Giles on his uh, on his radar. Oh, well, I gotta say, I don't want to see Zach traded. I I like him, man. I like the attitude, and I really want him to oh, work yeah. out. It's. Hey. It, it's not, I don't want to compare him straight to Myers Leonard, but there's some similarities as far as the project piece. This guy who has a lot of potential that you can see, but just some sort of hangups, whether it's the yeah, injury or the foul very stuff. Closely, yeah. uh, and, and, can you guys explain what you see in Zach Collins? <laughs> you, oh, wait, you, you're, you're that out on him? You don't, you're not even trying to fight for him? No, I'm not out. I've just, like, I've just sort of gone with the flow. I, I think it's the but like like when Harry Giles steps on their court, I go yeah, and I know it's preseason, but it's like you know it's gonna be there's something's gonna happen. He's gonna be creative. He's gonna get some weird rebound that you know he holds on to. Uh, you know something exciting is gonna happen, and I understand that Zach Collins is an NBA player, and you know he's you know made it there for a reason. But I just have never been successful at describing what I see in Zach Collins. And I'm wondering if one of you guys could do that. He's a seven foot big that can shoot threes and also block shots. So when you look at it, he has the ability to bang around down low, but also step out to the perimeter on offense, which not many seven footers in the league right now can have a good three point percentage. And then also like maybe lead the league in blocks eventually. So I think he has the ability to be kind of that unicorn eventually, if it all works out for him. But I think that's what they saw in him. But, yeah, I think with Giles, he probably has more of that, like, excitement factor, maybe with more dunks and just maybe more highlight plays. And Zach's just kind of in there doing whatever is asked of him and maybe not as flashy. But I think they like him in that sense and then that he can do all those kind of multiple things in this, in this day and age. And he's pretty mobile. But, yeah, no, I, I definitely uh, could see, like, if someone was, like, really – not sold on him i could easily see why i mean he hasn't like, he's done some flashes but he hasn't really had too many moments where you're like all right this guy was worth like the number 10 pick being one of the <laughs> biggest fans of collins all i think i can sum this up really 
somewhat quickly. I think it's potential because they watched him play in the college tournament and he showed a lot of potential. Um, he like kind of played lights out for five games or whatever it was. He still um, fouled a ton in that as well. In the yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he shot fairly well from outside and he has a little bit of that, like Joel in him, that mm. Chris Villa, that, that yeah. when he, you know, he doesn't back down from people, even though he was kind of overpowered, he goes up to block shots. He's not going to, he's going to go up and try to LeBron, LeBron, anybody. He doesn't care about getting posterized or any of that nonsense. And he'll flex on them or he'll get dunked on and he'll, he'll try again next time. And I think that, that that's really what people fall in love with. I think it's a similar thing that Giles has. Um, I think Giles is probably does it a little better with maybe getting, I, I was curious about the fouls and I was going to ask you guys about that. I don't know. I didn't watch him play a lot. I just kind of saw it hurt, heard about his potential, but does he foul a lot as well? Not that I've seen, but I mean, I, I honestly haven't watched his NBA career that closely, but I haven't really heard too much of a problem, but I feel like with most young guys or just even most young bigs, they might have a little bit of a fouling problem, but Zach seems like it's really like, oh my gosh, like what are you doing? He picks up two to three stupid fouls a game. But with Giles so far, he hasn't seemed like he's had a problem, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I can use this if you guys don't mind. I'll just ask you guys this question too. I'll put this out there and anyone can just jump in. Um, I really liked the thing I love about Cantor, um, and I don't want to give him, I, I wanted him to be come back here. Uh, I, I think our whole entire team rebounds better when he's on the court. I've said this on many podcasts. Right, podcast. we talked about that. So yeah. I don't know if it's just if he just needs to be on the roster or if he actually needs to be in the game, right? I don't know if it's a practice thing or if it's li- literally something that he they just watch game film and then he's just always getting them so they're picking something up. But I felt like Collins rebounded way better. So watching Covington play defense, he can play defense without fouling. He can get those block shots. He learned, He goes straight up. He's got a lot of body control with his off arms uh, to not like swing or hit body arms. So I'm curious at what you guys think. Is that something that also could be taught, or do you see that in Covington as well? I definitely see uh, Covington being... I think what you're saying, kind of the way that Cantor was almost this kind of uh, rebounding inspiration for the rest of the team, kind of up in the rebounding. I, are you uh, kind of proposing that Covington might be kind of a defensive inspiration. Like, is there a way that people like Collins can learn to go up and not get fouled, or is that just what right. he's been seen as, and that's just never going to go away? That's his no, tag. Has he got the Richie Wallace I it, tag? I mean, is it gotten that I, far? I, I, I think it's definitely the kind of thing where younger dudes are going to get these calls, and part of that is bad refing. Part of it is young dudes not knowing how to kind of finesse it in a certain way. But yeah, I think having a dude, a guy next to you, both like Cantor and like Covington, is beneficial as far as. If it, it, like, well, we've seen footage this week even of, uh, I think, Mello and Dame talking to our rookie, CJ Ellaby. And there's been clips kind of people talking about, like, man, look at this leadership. Look at this kind of, like, veterans passing down their knowledge to the, to the rookie. Same thing's going to happen on the other end with, with Zach Collins next to Cantor, next to Covington. I think you could totally talk about... Covington is a 29-year-old player. He's not a rookie. He's, he may not be like a veteran veteran, but he's been in the league. I mean, he even James on some knowledge. Even James is making some blocks, some really athletic, crazy right. blocks that Zach wants to make, and he does it without fouling. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's something he can learn, but also, on that point, I think with Cantor for his rebounding and then with Covington with his defense – I think that's it's, it's just effort plays, and that is more guys yeah. see someone else doing it. All right, look at him. Okay, now I'm going to do it. When scoring and that stuff is kind of harder, but, like, when guys are, like, using their body to, like, just defend guys off the ball or rebound or just do the little things, I think guys pick up on that when they see guys putting more effort in and not really worrying about stats or worrying about getting the ball. I think that kind of stuff really translates. It's, it's the hustle is what's contagious yeah. is what you're saying. yeah learning those little things too without having a defensive guy on the team you don't whether you're just learning by watching or you're learning because you're getting the inside scoop from your teammate that wants you to be better like right. we haven't had a defensive minded guy to give those lessons exactly um, yeah and we got I'm multiple super now. stoked yeah that's what's good at, yeah different positions down low how to get better at the wing how to get better defending i think it's going to be great for us okay so uh, go, go ahead tara I don't to, yeah, yeah 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 i know what you got to get in there Chad, what you said about uh, uh, Ennis Cantor was super interesting because it does make me think why 
why did it seem like the Blazers were better rebounders? And I was thinking about how I thought that Zach Collins was at his best all those minutes that he played alongside Ed Davis. Remember when they used to come in together? Yeah. And it was because, um, like, they didn't crash into each other all the time. Yeah. Like, and uh, last year they were crashing into each other all of the time. This year, what I've noticed right away those of you who all know me know I love pointing and I've noticed that this team is really communicating yeah. and especially yes, Cantor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if definitely. you watch yeah. Cantor, he's pointing, he's talking, he's communicating so much better than they used to last year. I mean, I think where it always just ended in them crashing into each other. Yeah. No, I mean like this team, this in the two games we've seen are better communicators than they were at any time <laughs> last yeah, year. Yeah, but what about when because they made they their Western Conference run into with Cantor? Didn't you think that the same thing? Existed? No, yeah, absolutely. I think la- I'm talking about just oh, last gotcha, year was gotcha, why gotcha. it seemed like even though they had gaudy rebound numbers, I didn't feel like they were as good of, at rebounding. Yeah, because absolutely. they were crashing into absolutely each other, agree. losing rebounds. Absolutely agree. Yeah, so no, I'm agreeing with you, but I think the thing that uh, Cantor brings is. Uh, that uh, that veteran communication um, so that, you know, the younger guys can, you know, figure out what they're supposed to be doing. It's, it's the communication and the inspiration. It's, it's, it's getting the other guys to kind of buy into the same thing. You're like, this is what's important. You need to do it this way. And yeah, Sorry, Christian, I'm not trying to cut you off. I know you're jumping in there too. You're good. On the flip side, I'm curious how many times Cantor is going to expect Carmelo to be right next to him giving his signature catchphrase, trying to get a rebound, and Cantor's not even going to go for the ball. I just wonder how many times that's going to happen. Like, are we going to miss out on, like, two or three possessions because Cantor's just scared Melo really wants the ball? Um, Doesn't want to steal a rebound? Yeah. I, I want to go back real quick to something Tara mentioned, which is just the energy that the Giles brings, and I think that's one thing that the Blazers have lacked a lot. There's a lot of games where I'll see the Blazers come out for the intros, and they're kind of stone-faced, and that's great. But then, like, the other team's all hype, and they're, you know, they got their secret handshakes and all that. And I think that the Blazers need a little bit of that. They need a little bit of um, alleviation of pressure. When they're on in the in the game, they have a 20-point lead. They're not thinking, oh, no, we've screwed it up in the past. Let's make sure we don't mess it up. But instead, they're still playing free-flowing offense, um, communicating on defense, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping there's a little bit more excitement and energy with these guys and they can just buy into having fun together and not just maintaining leads because I feel like a lot of it is just trying to hold water as it's pouring out of their hands, you know? I think almost every person they brought in fits what you just said right there, the energy and, and willing to dive, right? Covington, James, I think are all willing to just dive for balls and be that energy. But they all do Wait, have a little James? bit to go. Who, who's James? Junior. Even Jones? Jones. 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 Saying James <laughs> Jones. And you said James earlier, and I was like, I'm pretty sure he's talking about Jones Jr. Yeah, Jones Jr. <laughs> but, you know, I think that to go to your point as far as the intros, I think that everybody follows Dame's, like, laid-back swag. I, which is not a bad thing either. And uh, no. like you, you having the kind of the, the low key, like act like you've been here before, is something I'm pretty big on. I, I like the idea of the guys, you know, just maybe – Trying to it's like that Oakland. It's like it's just like it's Oakland yes, little dance exactly. you did, man. It just kind of has a like nice little sway to it, but you you know you don't mess with it. Okay, but so we mentioned Derek Jones Jr. I want to talk about him. Uh, Derek James Jr. I guess maybe we what we can call him here on the pod now. Derek James. Oh no, uh, I gotta learn to change that quickly because he is way better than James. Keith will just rag you on something. As soon as he gets you like that, he'll just continue it. He's just, he's I'm taking notes. Asshole in that way. Just, you know, it's all good. Well, well, thanks, Ty. At least I got you. They got me, hey, Chad. Don't worry, I got you. I got you. I got to push buttons somehow. Uh, but, but listen, uh, we talked last week about Derek Jones Jr. Uh, being someone who's come in here and almost kind of a placeholder for Rodney Hood. Uh, and then we saw Rodney Hood come back in game two. He looked good. Yeah, I liked what we saw from Rodney. Uh, ready to see Hoodie make his comeback. But at the same time, Derek Jones Jr. gives us something that we have not really seen in a Blazers lineup much. The athleticism and the, the just the desire to go get that dunk. And not just the dunk, but he has said, we again, we mentioned this last time, uh, he wants to be the defensive player of the year. Whether that's realistic right now in this role in Portland, who knows? It could be. It could change if we make it to the Western Conference Finals, and he's been doing a large part of it. And that could be, uh, play, a, uh, play a big role. But beyond all that, what we saw DJ do in these first, three game, or first two games is he went four for seven from deep. 
Love it. Four for seven from the three from the three point line. This is a dude who I said on the last pod or the one before that that uh you know he's 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 not really gonna be shooting three. We don't want to see him taking too many of those. And then we heard Stotts say some things about this guy's got great fundamentals. He's got good shooting form. Dude, he they look good. They look yeah. good. Sats is saying that he wouldn't be surprised to see Jones have career numbers from the arc. It's Alfred Camino, just all over again. <laughs> now, hold up. Okay, so way that, that's prettier, not him in general. I'm saying that's what Amino came from Dallas. But that's what I want like, to get to. He can't shoot, he can't shoot, blah, blah, blah. And then he comes in and sets career numbers, and now he's known as a 3 and D. So, so are, after two preseason games, are we ready to say that Derek Jones is not just going to be a defensive player? Is he here to spread the floor, or is he just here for dunks and defense? Real deal. He's not there to spread it, but he's there to make them if he has the opportunity. Real deal. Okay, okay, I'll take that. So he's not he's not a three-point threat, but he if he's open, you can't leave him open is what you're saying. He's going to get to that point, yeah, definitely. Like, I think he's going to at least just be someone, like, you have to at least stay close to him, and then all of a sudden you stay close to him, and he's running back door, and he's grabbing an oop. But, I mean, like, what's fun about him so far is, is, uh, is uh so these guys are trying to get him highlight dunks already like you can already see it like they're trying to throw him lob they're already trying to like get him out like in fast they're breaks. trying and it's fun to see them like really try and see it and like see him too like he's trying to like go get a crazy dunk and it seems like every time and that's so fun I fan mean, night watch. is the is the war is the thing i'm gonna miss the most about this year yep because oh, totally. watching anthony and James, <laughs> I had to do it one more time. <laughs> Derek James I did Jr. it on purpose there. But yeah, Jones Jr. <laughs> just do some dunks. Those guys, it would have been so much fun. What if he goes back to the slam dunk contest this year? That would be sick since he won it last year. And then he, and then now we get this guy for the Blazers in there. And He's got a repeat, just, right? Yeah, exactly. So now we get a guy going in there having fun. It's more of a national thing. He's getting on Twitter with this Blazers uniform doing crazy 360 dunks. But... I'm getting maybe too far ahead of myself. But <laughs> <laughs> well, 360 dunks, Who do y'all think is going to be the first Blazer to combo to actually complete an alley-oop in a game? <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that is kind of the question, though, because Dame, as much as Dame is, like, such a top-tier point guard, he is not a lob passer, man. He's really not. Uh, well, because if he throws it in that direction, it's going in. <laughs> like, no too easy. <laughs> I finally figured that out. He's I was just like, why accurate. can't Dame do it? And it's like, oh, yeah, because, like, it's just going in. I think it's going to be CJ. Love it. You think, okay, you think oh, CJ man. gets that first lot pass? I could see CJ because CJ gets that mid-range. He's kind of splitting up the defense so he can just kind of get that floater up there. I think Is we're going to be maybe Nurk. Because we saw Nurk? that video on, on Twitter here. The, it was right before they went to Denver, and they're showing Nurk throwing lob passes to Derek Jones. So, off the small screen and roll, then Nurk's rolling down. Jones comes up, lobs it up to him. I think that's a great guess. I like it. What, what, no one's no one's going for Harry Giles. We're talking about Harry being a, a yeah. Giles being the passer. He's not gonna I'm play going to play that many minutes. Anthony Simons to Harry Giles. That's what I'm seeing as the connection. Oh, you're not even putting. You're not even going to put DJ in there. You're going Anthony to to Giles. I think oh, that Christian happens. going off the board here. First first game or two, <laughs> Anthony Simons, he's got an eye for it. He's like, you know I like to dunk. I'm going to get someone their, their bread, you know? He's going to throw it up for Giles. Giles is going to throw it down. It's going to be amazing. I see that I like happening that. That, first couple that's a long. That's a long odds. That's a long odds one. Yeah, I like, I, I like that Christian going off the board here. Ike, what do you think as far as, like, who do you put as our best lob passer? Dame, CJ, Anthony, Nurk? We've had a number of options here. Like, who, who are you going for is who can connect for that uh, above-the-rim touch? It's tough to say. I want to say that based on the way that I've seen the Blazers run their offense, I could see it being Nurkic for sure, putting yeah. Nurkic on the elbow and whoever's cutting to that rim is getting the ball. That would be great. Um, but... You guys mentioned Kyle's passing. I think that he's if he does show out, he's going to be playing in that same set where he's getting the ball at the top of the at the elbow and making a decision, which is awesome to to put that power in that guy's hands. But he's going to be showing off the passing, and and maybe could do that same kind of a thing. But I think it's going to be Nurkic first as the passer, um, and probably the DJJ cutting. Um, I feel like that's the most easy combo because you know the Blazers like to call that play. And they're gonna yeah. they're gonna call it early in the game. So it's who's the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean that's yep. really you got to put the money on really. Now, if we're calling the first I one to complete idea. it, nope. yeah. Well, that was the question, <laughs> I think. Yeah, that was not that, to that attempt was because it. we've had three attempts already. 
let's go, let's go around the let's go around the circle on this one, and then I want to get an answer, and then I want to ask some other questions on the DJ. Uh, who will be the first completed lob this season? Who to who? Uh, Tara, you first. What do you think? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I can't Ladies predict. Ladies first. But I, I would just like to. I know, I appreciate that, but I, so I'm not going to make a guess, but I just want to relive briefly, I, once again, my favorite moment of the bubble was um, uh, Wendy and Gabriel knocks it out of Paul George's hands, they go to the ground, Gary Trent Jr. comes running down, grabs the ball, leaps over, leaps over Paul George to run down, throws it to alley-oop to uh, Anthony, who completes it. So oh, yeah. I'm going to go... Gary and Anthony are going to repeat their incredible performance of the bubble for the first completed alley-oop Gary and Anthony. Like a breakaway lob. I like it. I like it. Okay, Christian, I, I know you've got an opinion on this too. I think you already threw it down, but let's hear it again. What you got? All right. I'm going Anthony Simons to Harry Giles with, with a wrinkle. If Nasir Little ends up getting playing time in the first or second game and he's on the floor with Anthony Simons, he will get a lob. Nasir is getting the, okay, dude. Uh, yeah, that's a great point too. Nasir. I like Nasir. Nas is definitely another good lob op opportunity option here. Uh, man, oh my god, I'm so excited about this. Man, our future, our future looks <laughs> beautiful, doesn't it? Ike, Ike, what do you think as far as uh, who's got the first completed lob this year? Uh, I'm gonna say it's gonna be Nurkic to DJJ. I think that's the, the like call that with the way that they run it out of the that's elbow. That's what I'm on too. I'm on that one. Ty, that's, that's what you, is that what you brought up earlier, Ty? Yeah. You thought it was nerdy? Okay, okay. So that's got so Chad, last but not least, I guess I'm I have an opinion here too, but Chad, what do you think? Yeah, but no one cares about yours, Keith. Um, <laughs> I knew we're that was gonna coming. go with I'm gonna go with Covington to uh DJJ. Covington The new guy man. getting it getting it started. Creative stuff going on. Okay, you know what? I'll get creative too then. I'm gonna say Hoodney. Hoodney being our, uh, our our point forward here off the bench maybe early in the season. Let's get Hoodney uh, a solid pass to to DJ or Giles or... Okay, we'll go DJ. Like in some sort of weird crossover. I don't know how the minutes work or the lineups work. We're going to say Hoodney to Giles. Uh, no, sorry. Hoodney to DJ for for uh, the, the first alley dunk, completed dunk of the season. We got records. We got receipts. We'll come back to this for it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> But okay, last question on DJ before moving on here. Does this does his three point shooting does what he's doing now? At least uh, when when I had when we had prefaced the season earlier, I was not putting that as being a real factor on his on his skill set. But at this point, with him shooting well, with Stotts saying it's gonna be a thing, uh, with the way this team has usually worked before, as far as having four shoot from outside, kind of you know sit in that corner pocket. And he's still effective from there, even if he doesn't take the three-point shot. He can, you know, kind of fake it and take a dunk. Do you see the three-point shot as an option changing Derek Jones's role on the team from what you thought earlier, or, or does it is this really just nothing new to you? I think Ty made a great point where he said that if the if the defender's sagging off, he'll take the three. If he's playing close, he's going to run past him and get the dunk. I think that's going to be key. Where if he's um, if he makes a couple in the first few games of the season, like maybe he makes like one or two each game, I think that he's going to be, I think that's going to revolutionize his game and the whole team. It's not going to spread the floor, uh, like Ty said, but I think it's just going to make the defense respect him just enough. I mean, he's not someone I want taking the last shot from three when we're down two. All of a sudden when Dame comes out to the drives it and then he kicks it out. I mean, I don't really want it to be DJJ, but I think he might be able to get to the point where when he's on the court, he might all of a sudden hit that shot three out of five times or whatever. He That's might threat, start man. hitting it more than he, than I think anticipated, but. So you think um, he can turn into that? I think he, yeah. And he's young. I think he has a willingness to do it. And I think he's going to realize real quick that he has to find a shot for him to stay around the league for no matter what. Like He can be athletic and all this stuff, but he can't be a non-shooter and succeed. So I think he maybe has to figure it out and go, hey, like if I want to be around for a while and be like an impact player, I have to be at least to knock down at least 32, 33%, maybe 400% of my threes. I can't shoot 25% or whatever. And I hope he's just going to grind and... He looks like the type of guy that he will just put his head down and work and just try and uh, and just try to be the best he can be. So yeah, I think he can develop into that. Okay. 
Let's see some quick, uh, some some quick turbo topic before we get out of here. Uh, I know this is not the most popular one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on it anyway. Carmelo coming off the bench is fire so far. He is crushing the bench. This is after his whole fiasco about saying, yo, we need a petition for number seven. I need that number seven jersey. So then like a day or two later being like, oh, no, 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 no. That was just a joke. I don't know what the number seven jersey. Like even after Brandon Roy gave the blessing, we talked about this last episode that he wanted it and Roy gave the blessing. So that, hey, that's kind of end of story. Then it comes out after that, hey, if you want that jersey change at the last minute, you probably got to buy all the jerseys from the NBA. It apparently is part of the issue here. And I don't really know if that's the full story. I don't know if that's the whole thing. It's hard for me to imagine that Melo is so cheap. He doesn't want to buy some jerseys if he really wants to change the number. But he, he, he gave up on AD, it. Because that's what happened with LeBron in 8 yeah. 6 and 23. Because yep. he tried yep. to give him 23. They're like, nope, sorry. It's too late. He's like, you can't give him 23. Maybe the price tag is simply higher than we realize as far as this. But the players get paid a lot. It seems like a weird uh, stopping point. One way or another, though, Melo completely backtracked. He's, he went from saying, we need a petition for that to get me the number, to him then saying, no, 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 it was just a joke. We were just having some fun. I don't need that at all. It was, it was the fans doing it. It wasn't me. Uh, Tara, I feel like you're about to blow your lid here, so I'm going <laughs> to let you start us off. Uh, uh, do you disagree with my take on this? Do I have something wrong here? I feel like your attitude about it is different <laughs> than mine. <laughs> I, I listened to that press conference and somebody asked him if he was going to wear number seven. And he, in the moment, was like, hey, somebody should get a petition. He so said I, I don't think it. Well, of course, he was like making jokes. You know, he's trying <laughs> yeah, okay. to be entertaining. That's fair, that's fair, that's fair. I like I didn't for a minute begrudge him any of the Brandon Roy talk. I think he was set up and then people who wanted to take it took it. And so, you know, I don't. <laughs> and Keith loves bait. Yes. And Keith just. I ate take it that bait. Up. I take that bait and I run with it. <laughs> but also, Hook, like, when line, you first started. It, when you first started, it sounds like you still might not be sure that Mellow's the best thing for the team. Oh, wait, wait, like, me? Keith <laughs> well, is I mean, a little bit of a Mellow hater. I will fully guys. admit I will fully admit when Mello and Cantor both before they came to the Blazers I was out when, when I heard they were signed with the Blazers I was like don't know if this is really the thing we need but what they have done here each of them Cantor and Mello individually what they have done here uh, in Portland both on the court and off the reputation they have the personality they've shown they have grown on me solid like, I had to like, take like, a break I, from Trailcasters like for a minute because of his face <laughs> on that <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> no I, I'm, I get okay. it. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with Melo, though. I love his fit here on the team. Okay. I love what he's done for Portland. Uh, the jersey thing, even, I said this last time on the, on, on the last episode, I don't even know where I stand, honestly. It was when we didn't know if he was going to take it or not. Part of me grew up with Roy, and I don't want to see that change. But part of me, AQ said this on the last episode. Shout out to him again. Hey! Retiring numbers is dumb. Like you could, you could have a, a you could have a, a ring of, of uh, a, a ring of fame, uh, you know, like a hall of legends, whatever you want to do. But there's only so many double-digit numbers in the NBA before you start making players wear like 103 or something like that. The reality is, just, so, Keith just likes reality TV, so he he likes what? these little no. topics. He likes Ew, these little off gross. topics. <laughs> the only the only reality TV I need is the Blazers and Mellow talking about what number. Uh, but, but I'm glad. Anyway, as to Mello's performance yes. in the first two preseason games <laughs> coming off the bench, um, you know, I thought it was really uh, in the first game, he looked like he was having a great time. And that's one of those things that, like, we were talking sort of about kind of how some of the guys on our, on the Blazers are very serious and they have a very serious affect and they don't joke around a lot. And, you know, for the last season, Mello was the guy that you would kind of catch smiling and, and having like just looking like he was having a good time. He looked like he was having a good time off the bench. I've like all summer. I just had these fantasies of Mello just like devouring benches, the other team benches right. and just like going like off on them. And uh, seeing that, you know, in action was just as fun as I had hoped it would be, and I would super hope that it continues for the rest of the season. I worry that 
when he was leaving the court after game one, like he didn't have a smile on his face. So I, of course, just went to like the worst possible scenario. I was like, oh, my God, he's mad now because (laughs) he went and scored 21 points and he feels like, why am I coming off the bench? And, you know, like my husband was like, well, because he was playing against Sacramento's bench, um, (laughs) that makes it a little easier but what what I took away from that is I think that because Melo is coming off the bench, we still have to keep in mind that it, this is going to be a process as he gets used to it. Like just because he did it one time successfully right. doesn't mean that it's going to sit well or comfortably with him for a while. And I think we're going to have to be patient as he works into that role and like figures out like what it means to his identity now. I, I kind of want to disagree. Is that OK? Well, do it okay. then. How dare you? No. Unacceptable. <laughs> Mute him. Cut his mic. <laughs> Do the little buzzer thing when he starts talking. <laughs> He's going to save that for the next topic. Of course you can disagree. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I guess this is the thing. is that I, I think that there's a maturity in Mellow. I think there's also like a level of, uh, I, I think what I, I've heard him respond all the right ways when he's been asked those questions. And I think that he is comfortable in those, his role. I think one thing that we're going to have that that's going to happen. And I think we saw it happen and that's why he succeeded is that we, when he was in there, we found him spots and he was able, and he took his spots and he took advantage of the situation. He did what exactly what you said. He's going to devour those benches. And if he can see that and he can still put up all those numbers that he wants to put up, um, which I don't know that he cares that much about. I think he enjoys playing basketball again with this team. And I don't know if it matters. I know one thing that he said was different was the hype of hearing your name called and running out there is a little different. And that's not something he's ever had in his life. So it's something new to get used to, but he's had to get used to a lot of things. And I think he's rolled with it. And I think he had to have known this was a possibility when he came back to this team. And I think he's playing with friends and I think he's going to play with that starting unit. Like he's not going to not get time with Dame and CJ. So I don't think we're going to have the most lineups this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Go with that. Ike. What do you so mean by that? What do you, what, I mean, what, what, cause wait, I brought this up earlier and I'm excited about that. So what's your take on that? Uh, I think we have to find a way to facilitate an offense with our second unit. Um, at least we haven't seen Anthony do it yet. And we haven't really seen them try to break apart Damon CJ to make to make CJ take on that second unit leader role. Um, and, Mellow being an offensive anchor in that second unit gives it time for us to figure, gives time to the other new pieces to figure out who's going to be that second unit scorer besides Mellow. Yes. Is it going to be Giles stepping in? Is it going to be Zach when he's healthy? Is it going to be Gary Trent Jr. just lighting it up from the three point line? Uh, hopefully, Anthony gets more involved as the backup one and he's getting more minutes there and relieving that pressure off of Dame and CJ and, and maybe even Rodney to be running the point. Um, in the second unit or run, you know, it's like, who's going to handle that ball when Damon CJ gets subbed out at the same time um, is still up for grabs. But I think Mello's going to be a big piece of the offense to start the season. And again, maybe at the playoffs, but I think we're going to use a lot of the middle of the season to figure out who's going to be working on offense in that second unit. Um, and given Damon CJ a lot more time to rest in this kind of crazy short season hopefully if we can if we can solidify our offense with Damon CJ off the court okay we kind of touched on it there a little Ike you you specifically touched on it there um beyond mellow is the backup PG position and we kind of mentioned this last week as well the one spot on the blazer depth chart that we don't really have covered is that specific backup point guard all the other spots center power forward small forward you can go through and we're we're too deep to three deep every spot backup point guard when you get beyond Dame, you start having to pull someone like CJ or hoping that Ant can really step up. And that, I guess, is really the question that I'm posing to you guys. Where do you see the backup point guard minutes going this year? We've heard uh, Hood, as a, uh, Hood as kind of a point forward. We've heard CJ taking over from Dame, but that would involve Dame and CJ not being on the floor together. Anthony Simons is also kind of a, a potential hope, but uh, I guess there's some question on whether he's really going to be able to take on that role. Where do we stand? Uh, where are we at? I my, my am hope. A, oh. I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a big fan of point guard CJ, and I want CJ to be leading the bench unit as much as possible. I've been saying for a long time. I want to see you know CJ 
Carmelo, and then some offensive rebounding, like maybe a Cantor and Collins or a Cantor and Giles uh, matchup there where you're running ISO a lot. But guess what? I don't want to see this ISO where you take a shot, like 18, 16 seconds left on the shot clock, and then you miss, and then it's like, all right, let's get back on defense. Like, no, like set it up so that your guys are ready to go up for an offensive rebound. Like, make the most of it with CJ and Carmelo. Um, you know, CJ doesn't have to be this uber distributor if you're going to have Carmelo sitting with it, you know, at the wing for 10, 15 seconds doing his work. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's all Dane and CJ. Get some extra guys in there every once in a while, but the bulk of it should be those two. And and in the same way you talked about jersey, jersey number retirement being, like, overrated, I think starting is overrated. And I, I think... I'll yeah. never be able to, no, no one's ever really going to be able to get that into NBA players' heads. Like, one or two are going to realize it. These six men of the year, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, this is great. But like you said, Tara, like, let Carmelo eat against these soft defenses, yeah. you know? Like, let these these bench units really go to work. I think Dame and CJ together is going to be the best lineup against 90% of NBA teams. But on occasion, you're going to be better with someone like Rodney Hood or Gary Trent in there um, and let... DJ just really focus on taking down the second unit of another team. Well, and Melo can still be in there to close games. Yeah. Yep. Which is way more important than starting the game. Right. The the finisher is oh. much more important. Not that he will be. <laughs> you don't yeah. think he is? CJ, CJ getting those backup minutes, though, is going to take away from uh, Melo's six-man-of-the-year campaign. <laughs> there we go. Oh boy, hadn't even like gone that direction. I will actually add to this. Like, I the second unit scorer that might be there that that I think is underscored is again that Cantor role where he's going to get his twelve to thirteen points off of rebounds or or like he'll the, you know a good positioning or something of that nature where it's not really like a force play for him like we have to for a lot of other people or like we had to for Whiteside or, or any of those other positions. I think that that's an extra 12 points off your bench from, you know, where more than half of them are probably from rebounds to some extent or hard work. And that, that depth and that offensive proficiency outside of the point guard, I think brings pressure off of Anthony to perform well, especially to start the season. Um, I think that's part of, I think that's part of why he struggled last season is because we put too much on him to start. Um, and then when he started to get cold early, it affected his mental game. I don't, I yeah. don't know. How much faith know do we have known, in Hood? Playing I got a lot of faith in Hood. I, yeah, I think, I think he could solid. run it. But I, I just think that Anfernee will get into a better groove this year because he won't have that pressure. We have the depth in the rest of the places on the team that Anfernee's not going to be forcing shots or forcing offensive sets that don't necessarily work um, like he did last year. Yeah. What do you like it, man? I really like your point, Ike, about uh, Anthony not being rushed along. Yeah. Um, we've talked a little bit already about the versatility and many people having to be able to play different positions. Um, but also this scheme now, there's a lot of people who know and understand the scheme. And one of the things that I like the most about this offseason is that to me, it looks like they are they have two cores now. So they have the Dame CJ core, but now they have this young core where they're planning for the future. So part of me, you know, being excited watching the bench is like to see how many of those guys are going to stay with the team. And we've talked already about how Neil Olshay, you know, really likes the guys that he found. And so I imagine that Anthony will be here for a long time. So being having a little bit of a luxury to dr bring him along um, with, you know, He's called the the backup point guard. Like, Anthony, you're the backup point guard. Um, but Damon CJ getting the bulk of those minutes so that Anthony can work his way in. And oh my gosh, think of how it's going to be in a couple years where he's throwing lobs to DJJ and Gary <laughs> Jr. is like going off and dropping guys. Oh, it's going to be so fun. There's a future here. There is definitely a future here. I got three more questions that I want to rapid fire through here. Last time I said rapid fire, that was a that was a fake rapid that fire. Was that was not rapid fire. <laughs> but this is real rapid fire. We're going quickly oh, yeah. here. Give me your hot takes. Three questions. First one up here. Giles or Giles? Which way are we going? Uh, Tara, start with you. Giles. Ike. Giles. Giles. Uh, Christian. Giles. Hopefully, it's correct. <laughs> Chad. I mean, Gi Giles. Yeah. James. James. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go with James. <laughs> James. 
We'll see if I think we'll it's see. Giles. I, I, mean, I don't know. But I've heard Giles. I've heard Giles. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've heard Giles. Yeah. I've heard Giles as well. Giles makes me think of the Street Fighter video game. It's like 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 Giles like Sonic Boom. Uh, which just is gonna have reference. to ask him in one of those press conferences. How do you want your last name to be said? Yeah, I, I I I've heard it both ways. I don't really know. I'm going with Giles. Uh, I'm good either way. I, I like that soft G. Okay, uh, next one up, Giannis. He signed his uh supermax contract today for ungodly amounts of money, which I don't even want to say out loud because I might vomit. Uh, <laughs> how do we feel about this? Giannis is officially not going to be a Blazer for at least the next four years unless a trade happens. Uh, is anyone shocked? Is anyone disappointed? Uh, where, where did we, did we think this was going to end any other way? No. no, nope. Good for him. Love yeah, it. love it. Um, the, the longer that the waiting went, I felt like there weren't any teams that could really swing him any like right. anymore. It was like there's only a couple options left. But yeah, no, it's super super awesome, and it, it feels good that Milwaukee's not just like in a death spiral for the next couple of years. Yeah, they yeah. got their star back. <laughs> that yeah. would have been rough for them. Yeah, I, yeah, I, and that I, might have, that felt almost like it hung hung over him a little bit last year, didn't it? Like, yes, nobody definitely. like the rest of the yeah. team wasn't sure if he was going to stick around or if he was going to be there and. I don't know that it affected the play, but it definitely seemed like it was doing something to the team chemistry. Oh, it, I think it affected the play too, man, and I think it affected his play. I, I think, I think yeah. he's an amazing player, but he's also one of these guys where he's got some maturity issues, where he's got some other things going on. Where you, you put him in that in that situation with that much pressure, I think it was starting to show a little bit. Uh, I'm. Real Does he still want to win now that he has that he got paid. Yes, I, I think yeah. I, I think that is. One of the things I like about him is I think he genuinely wants to compete. It's not about the money. It's not about. It might be a little about the fame, but he he wants the notoriety. He wants to be that big name. Uh, so yeah, I, I think I think this is not a bad thing for him, and I think it's gonna be fun to watch. I'm just disappointed that he won't be uh, replacing. He won't be the the Blazers starting small forward for at least another season until we trade like some. <laughs> you know, I mean, like what what's the ridic- ridiculous trade we made this year? We talked about this before. The uh, Ariza upgrading to Rocco for what, like two picks, essentially. Uh, I think that's a steal. I know Chad, you're on the other side of that, but hey, maybe we swing another. I'm thing not on the other uh, side of that. Those. I love Rocco. I don't care what we gave up for. Oh, I, I thought you were saying the, the two, maybe it was AQ. I thought AQ, maybe AQ no, said the. I don't. The two I don't care about draft picks. Not rapid fire. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't. Well, I don't care about draft picks. Was that Christian? I'm a little more skeptical. Big fan of Rocco. I don't think he's just this instant savior, but hopefully a combination of him and DJJ is going to be good to uh, stop someone like LeBron or Kawhi in the playoffs. I think I the like right, if we could, I'll, I'll, I'll add this to go to your point right there and to connect Tara to this. What if Tara said excitement about our, our young core, what are those draft picks going to do? Where are they going to fit in? Like those, those at least the next two years, we got so much young core. Yeah, we got I, enough, I, man. I don't see, I don't see how that matters. Okay, yeah, I like it. I like it. All right, so Ty called me out. We need to keep it, ra- keep it rapid fire. This final topic, though, I'm going to toss over to Chad because uh, take it away. Gary Trent Jr. wants to be an LA Laker. No, what? he doesn't. No, he doesn't. It's ridiculous. Uh, so Gary Trent signed with Clutch. Uh, Chad, you're essentially saying that that means he wants to be a Laker. I think you're full of absolute. <laughs> no, I just I don't necessarily think he wants to be a Laker. I just think that that's where he feels like he could flourish, and he might get paid. Well, I could flourish as a Laker. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we could all flourish. As but Lakers. they also probably could pay him, right? If anyone wanted to be a Laker on the Blazers team, it was Damian Lillard. He shared on Twitter, he's like, if I were to be traded anywhere, I want it to be the Jazz or the Lakers. And it's like, where the heck is this coming from? And, you know, obviously with the rapping and, and his full image, his shoes, like, if anyone wanted to be a Laker, it was Dame, and Dame stuck around. So that makes me very hopeful with someone like Gary Trent Jr. The fact that we have people like Carmelo Anthony coming back to the team, uh, I think... I am not too scared of Gary Trent going to the Lakers personally. I don't think I, I I've had a pit in my stomach since the moment that Woj bomb dropped <laughs> and Gary was signing with Clutch. My <laughs> stomach dropped my Well it was right after he uh, he he declined the extension, right? No. He signed with Clutch uh, a while yeah. ago. No, that was it later. It was a little bit later. He, he signed with Clutch okay. first. Yeah. Okay. Um 
I think Gary Trent, for a really good reason, like, has big dreams, and he didn't, you know, I don't know what's inside his head, and I know a lot of people think that the Lakers are the be-all and end-all. That doesn't mean I don't think he's, like, super happy here and doing what he's doing, but he's got a, you know, representative who's in with Clutch, so I think it would be, I would love it if... Gary stays here. Uh, I will not be surprised if he leaves. I will not be surprised if he goes to LA. I will wish him well, just like I do everyone who was ever a Blazer. Um, someone's you know, gonna leave free agency. eventually. Like someone's gonna like break the Blazers fans' heart and team white and like leave and look for well, but, essentially like greener pastures. Because like we have gotten kind of lucky with our stars and all of our guys kind of wanting to hang around. But someone eventually is gonna be like, yeah, this is cool, okay, but, but I want that. But that's also the culture we're building here is the idea that we don't like guys that come up here should want to stay. That's the whole point. They should want uh, to, but but you can't force them. No, into no, you, it, you definitely can't force them. But uh, look, is, Gary is wants Gary to start. Only... That starting matters to Gary Trent. Gary wants but, to but, start okay. somewhere, and he wants to be a star. He wants to be the one yeah. or two options. Let's be yeah. real about it. He shows it on the court. He wants to Dude, be he's that. A sixth he man. is going to be playing for a contract this year. He's not going to pass the ball. I'm sorry. He's not going to play up to the best Gary Trent possible. He's it's it's it is what it is. It's probably going to be really good for us. But this yeah. leads to this contract. Your Gary Trent's going to be amazing. Yeah, and here's the question. <laughs> and here's my question. And I think he'll be. And I don't think he's going to only play for a contract. I think he'll play it, whatever contract he gets. He'll probably outplay it, right? I think he's that. He'll get there. But does he? And he has that spirit for sure. Yeah. And I think it's in, in his blood. I think his dad was a workhorse. I think he's a workhorse. I think he's a dog. I think he wants to win. I think he, all of those things are true. And I think that that's part of being a Laker too. Um, but I guess my question here is if we all know this or we all think this, we lose him at the end of this year for nothing. I'll leave it there. <laughs> I mean, bum, bum, they're losing him for nothing except for the fact that we had him for a year. Yeah. Right, yeah. It depends on how this year ends. Like, if this year goes well, uh, then it's like, hey, man, do what you got to do. See you off. But at the same time, man, like, it's. Uh, Would you rather have Simon's long term or Trent long term? He's not going to start here next right year. Now, yeah, right, right, right now, Trent. He's not starting here next year. Right? I mean, yeah, he's still not starting over CJ. Not over CJ. Not over. Thank you, Ike, because that's the key. Not over CJ. That's the key. And that, that's what we talked about last time too. Uh, you, you and I and AQ, Chad. CJ is still probably the most tradable piece on this roster. So if they're looking to like make a move where it's going to be about moving, like upgrading the roster through trade value, I think. I mean, like you got some young pieces, and again, through the rest of the season, that could very drastically change. But right now, CJ has probably the most value because he's a big contract and a big name who a team could organize their offense around uh not a lot of other players on the roster you could say that about and so it's it's not impossible that gary trent wants to move to la or wants to get down there i can't even put the lakers part of it in my mouth doesn't work that way look he's not even the first blazer that that's on clutch right uh, he's not the only one that has Nurkic yes exactly and Nurkic isn't going anywhere we're not we're not questioning if he wants to be a laker don't you dare say it. Bite your tongue. Tara, I see your eyes. We don't know what's it. We don't know what these guys want. I will cut like, your we, mic. We hope we hope we know what they want. And um, I mean, I think Chad has a super good point yeah. about um, you know, him, you know, uh leaving, you know, for nothing. Like I totally get that argument. And so we're gonna be in the situation where it's gonna be like a Will Barton situation. Yeah. Uh. Where That's you know we yep. they trade away somebody for somebody who doesn't work out, and I'm more worried about trading him for somebody who doesn't work out than I am about having him stay all the way through our long run to the Western Conference Finals. That's it. So like I yep. didn't want to sound like I was like no, no, putting good. down Chad for saying that because it's a completely <laughs> real yep. fear. I would just rather have him for the whole entire time than risk. You know, the Aaron Aflalo, who I'm sure is a lovely person and would have been great if he hadn't gotten injured. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a whole other question. Okay, guys. Or, that, that's that's a whole lot of, uh, of, of rapid fire, a uh, really uh, in-depth rapid fire segment on the end of that. We're going to cut it off there. That is good enough for now. We'll leave it hanging for next week. Uh, 
thank you so much to all of our guests. You guys, especially you who showed up last minute. Ike, hey! where can they find you on Twitter if any uh, listeners want to reach out and uh, and consult you on your takes? Um, On Twitter, at Ike Sourus. That's like Ike Sourus. Ike Sourus, yeah. That's how I was it, reading my head. <laughs> yeah, I misspelled it when I was a freshman in high school, and I, I'm not going back. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, find me there. And I'll have more art projects hopefully this uh, this winter. Yes, excellent, man. Looking forward to it very much. I'm excited. Get on that. Go follow Ica Sourus, I guess is the best way to pronounce it. Uh, and Christian, what about you, sir? Where are you at? You can find me at Christian Jamelon, G-M-E-L-O-N, or at Peeps and Plaid. Check out Peeps and Plaid podcast. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's, that's where did you, you can say, find me. Did you, did you say Melon is M-E-L-O-N? I thought it was M-E-L-I-N. That, that's a great point, Keith. Yes, my last name is Gamaline, but for some reason, I've always gone G Melon. It's you know, I've had nicknames. You also G- spelled it wrong in high school. I like did I. spell it wrong in high school. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I've gone by G Melon, G Money, all kinds of names. So you know, I stuck with G Melon for all my usernames for everything. That's hilarious. I in all the time that I've been talking with you on Twitter, I never noticed that. For a second, I was worried that I was talking to the wrong person, uh, but obviously, <laughs> showed up here, so I had the right right Twitter. Hey. Tara. Tara, what is your handle? Where are you at? Where can they reach you? I'm trying to find Ike because I can't wait to check out your art. Oh, um, you really you should. You can find me on Twitter at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S. You can also find me at We Have a Take Podcast and Step Back Sisterhood. Uh, and we are at Step Back Sisters and at We Have a Take. Thanks for having me on Keith. This is great. Always, always love having all of you guys on here. Ty, where are you at, my friend? Is Ty gone? Ty might be gone. Okay, I'll that part He looks like he's here. Nope. Uh, oh, there we go. There he is. <laughs> My thing kind of cut off there. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> okay, Ty, what's your Twitter handle? Where can the listeners find you at? At Ty Delbridge. At Ty Delbridge is always Chad. Your, I'm going to create Twitter a Twitter just so I can follow all of these wonderful people because I've enjoyed their takes and I want to see all that they are doing. He's currently become the Twitterless Chad. Twitter Twitterless chat. You can also always. Man, I might have to be off Twitter now because of that. <laughs> 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 like that that'll, that'll be your screen name when you do when you get on there. Your yes. little call. Oh, that is. That will be my Twitter handle. Because <laughs> I'll never tweet. At Trailcasters, he will he will tweet from the Trailcasters account. We'll get him to run that one because I'm too lazy to do it and I've been super busy on the side. But in closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Ty and Chad, as always. Thank you for the fat beats uh, from Odar. Thank you to our sponsor, Clearly Speaking. And thank you to Tara, to Christian, and to Ike for joining us today. And, of course, thank you, listeners, for always a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsty basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters.